everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it. Please make sure you do not ever remove God from Jesus. This is like a clear thing that is in this passage, and I think it is actually important for us today. Um, we are today reading Matthew 17, uh, which historically is kind of, I think, a strange, maybe a little bit confusing passage that's like, what is going on here? There's a couple of very unique things happening in this chapter. Yeah. And I mean, one of them is the transfiguration, which is really just a fancy word for the fact that Jesus uh, shone <laughs> like a bright light, I guess. Um, <laughs> and it's classically understood that like the the God nature of him, God showed through him and the disciples that were with him kind of had this radical, incredible experience um, that I do think is what Jesus is referring to at the end of chapter 16. So at the end of chapter 16, uh, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I think literally the following text that we read today in Matthew 17 is that these this smaller group of disciples are seeing God, Jesus, coming in his kingdom. Hmm, that's interesting. Didn't really take that into consideration, but that's why you have to read it all because there's so many things that just like link to the prior passage. Anyway, that being said, so... Um, we said that this is like kind of a weird chapter because there are such unique things. There's a couple like strange healings. There's also this weird like miracle type thing of Jesus just like, I guess, hiding coins in Mm -hmm. fish mouths. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really strange. But I was saying earlier that there's also this tiny little section where Jesus is kind of like just turning up the temperature again, um, revealing that the time for his death and resurrection, it's getting closer and closer. So we kind of just like see these things happening with the disciples and with Jesus. But at the same time, he's like constantly giving this like downer reminder. I mean, I guess would what seemed to be a downer reminder to them that, Hey, I am going to die. It is going to happen and it's coming soon. Yeah. We're getting closer and closer to the end of Matthew. And Jesus is definitely getting clearer and clearer with what is going to happen. Uh, So before we dig into some of this other stuff, I do want to make sure we give some attention to this transfiguration situation, because what's wild in what's happening is that Jesus takes this small group of disciples up on the mountain, uh, again, using that Moses imagery. Mm -hmm. And when he gets up there, he is met by Moses and Elijah. Uh, which is pretty wild. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that you can miss in this. Like, I mean, on the surface, it's a pretty radical story. It's a pretty radical experience. I think for the most part, like Jesus has been um, healing people and cleansing people of demons. But this stands out as something really unique that's happening. And the disciples like are really moved by it as well. They're like, whoa, what is going on? So the question is, like, why Moses and Elijah? What's up with that? Well, what I always think is interesting about this passage is that Peter is really excited and he wants to like build these tents for them as if it's like this, I don't know, special occasion, like, yay, all of you are here. This is so great. Like, Jesus, should I build tents for all of you? Like, as if they're going to stay or as if they're going to like, I guess, be pals or something. But I think this moment was to, again, like reiterate that Jesus is fully God. Yeah. Like, that is the whole point here. And 
Um, I think that kind of got somehow easily missed by Peter because he's ready to just like make houses for them as if that is possible. Yeah. So the situation here is the reason he's meeting up with Moses and Elijah. One is like Moses would represent the law and Elijah would represent the prophets. So Jesus has already declared that he has come to fulfill the law and the prophets. That was at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in, Sermon on the Mount I think in Matthew 7. Um, and here we're seeing him meet with Moses and the prophets. Elijah um, is significant because he's like one of the larger prophets that they would have known about, but also in the book of Malachi, the last book they would have been aware of, uh, Malachi said that Elijah would come. And Jesus ends up saying at the end of this transfiguration story in verse 12, that Elijah has already come referencing uh, John the Baptist. I think another really important part here, and this remains tempting to us today, is that this is revealing, like you said, that Jesus is not just some guy. And it's very important that we understand that because it's very tempting to talk like and act like and believe like Jesus is just some really, really good guy. And when we do that, we're falling into a heresy that has like plagued the Christian church literally since the Christian church started. Jesus was not just some really good guy that God chose and used. Jesus is God. He's been around from the very beginning. He did not just show up and God decided he was pleased with him. He's always been there. So Jesus is on the mountain with Moses and Elijah and his like godliness, not godliness in our sense, like we are like God, his very God, I, I, I like struggle Nature. with the words. The fact that he is God is very evident and very overwhelming uh, to these guys that are with him. But it is really important. Like it, it like don't forget that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. And I know you might hear me say that and be like, well, yeah, I mean, I've heard that, but like, this is radically important and you cannot miss this detail because if you start believing that Jesus is some really good guy and he's just like all of us, you are missing the point. Yes, he experienced things like we experienced things. Um, he was without sin, which sets him apart, but he's not just some sinless man. He is a sinless God-man, which separates mm -hmm. him and which is obvious here in the Transfiguration. So that is the end of my rant. Um, but but I have, I've been hearing that a lot of people are unaware of this. And if you are unaware of this, like you're going to miss out on a significant part of Christianity. And, and in fact... Um, you might not be a Christian because it's really important to understand that Jesus mm -hmm. is 100% God and 100% man. Isn't that funny too? You know how sometimes people say like God is right in front of you or like God is working right in front of you and you don't even know it. I think that's interesting what happens here then too in this passage because right after Peter offers to build these tents for them, God speaks and says, this is my son. And with him, I'm well pleased. Mm -hmm. Listen and to him. immediately, yeah, immediately after that, the disciples like fall on their faces. Yes. And they are so scared because like, holy cow, it, it really, really is him. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean when I say earlier, like God can be so obvious and like blatantly plain in your life and you just are totally unaware of it. Um, but then what's interesting is that Jesus comes and like he, he tries to like, I don't know, console them, I guess, in a way like, hey, it's okay. Don't be afraid. And immediately after that, it's just Jesus standing there. So mm -hmm. I think this is just kind of like one of those weird, like little, like reflections of like, hey, this is really God. And then I don't know, just like maybe firm or faith affirming. If you feel like, if you hear us reading over this, maybe you've heard it for the first time, maybe you've heard it a lot of times, and you have a hesitation 
that is like, I don't know, it sounds like they made this up. Like, it just sounds like Matthew wrote down a wild story. Remember that these men gave their lives. We have historical records of the fact that they died because they would not deny that this was true. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a made-up fairy tale that was, like, cute. Like, these guys died saying, this is true. I saw it. I'm attesting to it. You should believe it. So then we have these other, like... I don't know. They're kind of like goofy little stories in between because we have the the instance of Jesus telling about his death coming again. That's like literally two verses of this chapter. But then there's this story of a boy being healed of a demon. And then um, this like strange question. I never totally understood it. So maybe you can shed some light on that. But um, the collectors, uh, I guess the tax collectors mm. are approaching Peter and they're like, hey, why doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Like why? I mean, obviously it's significant because like taxes, they're always looking for something. But like, why did this come up? So he doesn't say that they don't pay the tax. The The people are asking, does he does pay the he, tax? Yeah. Um, and they do pay the tax. What's interesting is they pay the tax so that it's not like uh, dishonoring, but Jesus also provides the payment for the tax. So this tax was around for like 1,500 years, I think. Is, mm. It's written about in Exodus 11.36. Uh, and it is an example of giving your income to support the the temple, and like we would we would carry that over today and say this is like pay your tithe or whatever. Um, tithe is kind of a misunderstanding because this temple tax would have been tacked on top of the tithe. So a lot of people believe like in the Old Testament, uh, people gave 10% of their income. That is not true. Uh, there has been a lot of studies that show that they actually gave around 26% of their income. So this is another instance of giving above and beyond the tithe to support the temple itself. So the people are wondering, hey, there's this new teacher that is Jesus. What does Jesus teach about that? And probably the same way that people teach about tithing today. Like some people are like, oh, I wonder if there's a way to get out of this. Does this guy do this or not? <laughs> oh, uh, and And Jesus is like, yeah, let's pay the tax. Like it's it's what we're going to do. But then what's really cool is that to overcome any kind of issue or problem, um, he just miraculously provides the money so that they can pay the tax. Out of a fish's mouth. Yeah, and it's that incredible. Just seems bonkers. So, um, fun fact: you can eat today on the Sea of Galilee Peter's fish. Uh, when you order Peter's fish, the kind of like the legend or the history is that that is the same kind of fish that had the money in its mouth. So, if you order a Peter's fish, you'll get the fish that they assumed gross. the money was in. <laughs> Sounds disgusting. Um, did you want to talk any more about the the boy with the demon? I feel like we've gotten this like same kind of scenario laid out again where it's someone coming like oh please 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 and Jesus is like you guys are like this wicked generation like what do you want from me I guess maybe the significance here is that the the disciples had tried they can't figure out how to do it and Jesus is like whatever I'll do it which maybe is telling like my disciples clearly don't even have enough faith you don't have enough faith it, I'll do it. it does seem like they did not have the faith required to do the task at hand. And the question is, like, was it faith in themselves? Was it faith in God? Mm. Uh, because that is like two very different things. Uh, and I think it's really important to understand. I believe it's because they didn't have enough faith in God to overcome this this evil spirit. And because like when you start to believe it's like belief in yourself, it's really weird. Like yeah. you, you have no power in and of yourself. <laughs> the only power that we have is the power that's given to us by God to rule over these. Like um, I'm, I'm thinking about Ephesians, like we wrestle not against flesh and blood, mm -hmm. but against dominions and powers. And so I think 
the the disciples still didn't quite have this figured out. The good news is they will get this figured out because <laughs> Acts is full of them doing this kind of stuff in the name of Jesus mm-hmm. through the power of Jesus. It's really important to know that. Yeah. So what would you say, I guess, as a good your part? Like, how do we pick something out of this? It seems like there's some just, I don't know, very unique parts of the chapter that where do we pull? I think this from? is another one of those uh, check your theology kind of days. Like, make sure you understand, make sure you believe and comprehend that Jesus was and is 100 percent man and 100 percent God. Um, fun fact, Jesus actually ascended into heaven in a physical body because Thomas touched his wounds like before he ascended into heaven. So there's some kind of physical thing about him, even when he ascended into heaven, Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus did not like Jesus did not all of a sudden start existing when he was born from Mary. He had existed before that Mm -hmm. from the very beginning. Um, And he was not like, it, it is a heresy, a false teaching, a wicked teaching to say that Jesus was just a really good person that God chose to use. Like he's special because he was sinless or created or created. Like Mm -hmm. there, there have literally been like so many um, church councils convened to clarify that Jesus was not created later on. Jesus was there at the beginning and the Mm -hmm. the gospels support that. Um, And he was not just a good dude. Like, you're not going to be like Jesus. You need saved by Jesus. And one of the huge issues with it is that if Jesus was just a really good man, he does not have the power and the authority to die for your sins. Right. Only God can die for your sins. So when you are saying things that imply that Jesus was just a really great guy, uh, you are denying your forgiveness that is only available through Christ, who is God. So it is really important. I know sometimes it might seem like I'm splitting hairs. Um, and, and part of it is I'm starting to notice this more and more mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. where people start to, uh, I think just because we haven't taught it well or we haven't talked about it very often, we kind of take it for granted. Or looked it up yourself and Yeah, like it's, it. It just, it's just like, hey, guys, like we need to tighten this up. Like Jesus is 100% man, 100% God. And that is what enables him to die for your sins. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he's just a really great guy that can, you know, I don't know, take care of his own sins, I guess. And it's just not, it's just not the case. So uh, check your theology. Know that Jesus is a hundred percent God, a hundred percent man. That is called the hypostatic union. If you're interested in big words. Um, But it is important that you believe that because it like, it influences how we relate to God. It influences how we are forgiven. Um, So we'll be back again tomorrow, looking at Matthew chapter 18. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you. We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month. Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading. Matthew chapter 17. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with them. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking, when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, 
This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. And when they came to the crowd, a man came to him, and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures, and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire, and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said, From others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode. And if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.